Well, today we are literally week three of our sermon series entitled I Am. And I Am obviously refers as if it were Jesus telling us this entire series who he is. Week one we talked about Jesus saying I am victory. And the victory that Jesus says he is stems out of his death. Had he not died, he would not have victory in his hands. Paul said if Christ had not died and risen from the dead, had he not resurrected from the dead, our faith would have been in vain. But because he rose, he became victorious. He took the sting and the victory out of death and the grave. And so he's victory. I am victory, Jesus said. And that victory happened because through his death, we became alive. Because of his death, we became free. And because of his death, we now have access, as the writer of Hebrews says, to come boldly into the throne of grace. And then last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and Jesus was telling us, I became alone. That was the theme for Sunday, alone. Jesus became alone. He distanced himself from heaven. He distanced himself from his father at the cross. His disciples left him alone. And he did that so that you and I would never, ever have to be alone again. And so he said something like this. He said, and behold, I am with you always, even until the end of time. So he is victory. He was alone. And today the Lord is going to tell us, I am grace. All over this, this, this network, all over our churches, all over our houses, in all of our houses, I want you to say with me, I am grace. Come on, say it. I am grace. That's what Jesus is going to tell us today. And for that, I want you to go with me. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verses 9 and 10. 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter number 1, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, and I read, He has saved us and called us to a holy life look what he does he doesn't just save us to be saved his salvation comes with a plan with an objective there's there's a reason why he saves us he saves us and calls us to a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his own purpose and grace this grace was given to us in Christ before the beginning of time. This grace was given to us before the beginning of time. What grace? Well, we first have to ask ourselves, what is grace? What is grace? Grace is an unmerited favor of God. It is the undeserved favor of God toward us. It is God's kindness or favor exhibited on an individual regardless of their worth or their merits. The way we value and appreciate people is based on their worth and their merit. And based on those things, we either treat people different. But God's grace towards us has nothing to do with my value with what I could bring to the table 
has nothing to do with my worth. His grace disregards who I am, where I come from, and what I can bring. In fact, it is God's disposition to show or exercise His divine kindness and goodness on someone for no other reason other than He wants to do it. Understand that? He favors us with grace because He wants to do it. Which means that I cannot earn grace. And not only can I not earn it, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve grace. I don't deserve grace. Nevertheless, God desired to demonstrate his grace in our lives. And when I say our lives, I'm not excluding anyone because I want to submit to you today that God is no respecter of people. God doesn't just save some and doesn't save others. God does not pick who he wants to save. He said that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. He provides his grace to everyone and anyone he chooses. You and I may question his, cho his choosing because we create human criteria on who deserves to be chosen. You and I I sometimes have a problem understanding this when it comes to God's grace and who he picks. Because when we look at people, when we pick people, we pick them from that perspective. Is that person qualifiable? Is that person good enough? If, it were, if that was Christ, God's criteria to choose us, he would never chose none of us. Because Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. And all have come short to the glory of God. So this grace leads me to my first point which is we are saved by grace it's by grace that we're saved Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 and verse 8 says but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Here's the phrase. For it is the gift of God. Nothing. Listen to me, church. Kissimmee, Port Richie, North Campus. Nothing we did justified salvation from our sins. Nothing you did. None of the prayers you've made. None of the givings you've done. Nothing qualified us to be saved. Nothing qualified us to be justified. Nothing we did justified our salvation from our sins. We are in fact guilty. If we're honest with each other, we are in fact very guilty of a lot of ugly things we've done before coming to Christ. And despite that, the Apostle Paul says that he saved us. Considering all of the, listen, listen, listen. If people you know know everything about you, I'm sure that their perspective of you, even after you came to Christ, would change. But Christ, God, knowing who you are, he saved you by grace, 
not after the facts. It's not like he saved you and then all this thing came out to the surface. God knew everything you've done. God knows everything you, you committed. God knows every sin you made. And, and in spite of that, he chose you. He justified you. He selected you. Despite of all that, he displayed his love, his mercy on us. Even when, this is important, even when we ourselves were not trying to be saved by God, he reached out and saved us. Understanding that we are saved by grace is foundational in our Christian walk. Because when you understand that, you understand that there is nothing we do or say that can make God love us more or give us more. Because grace, listen to me, because of grace, we have become free from our sins. Because of grace, we have become free from our mistakes. Because of grace, we, can be have, we have become free of our guilt. And now, we can say we are declared righteous by God's grace. Now listen what the, Paul, what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved. And then he says, through faith. What is Paul telling us? That this salvation that we have doesn't come by works. It just comes by this unmerited favor that God wants to give us simply because he chooses to give it to us. But this grace that saved us needed a means by which we can attain it. This unmerited favor, this unmerited salvation, this undeserved grace that God offers us. He says, I'm going to offer it to you. But Paul says it comes by grace through faith. So faith is the gift. Grace is the gift. But faith is the instrument to receive that gift. Let me explain this in a way you can get it. At least the way, that's the way I get it. Suppose with me, if you will. There's an individual in a five-floor building five-story high building he's in his bedroom and all of a sudden his apartment catches on fire and he's in the far end room that leads to the exit of the house and the entrance of the house is on fire the living room is on fire the bathroom's on fire the kitchen's on fire the only room that hasn't experienced it the, the the flames of the fire is his bedroom and so he's on the fifth floor and he opens the window to find a way out only to realize that he's so high, he cannot jump. But to his surprise, the firemen show up. And the firemen come out, firemen come out with a net. With about seven to eight firemen holding on to the net. And while they're looking at him from afar, he's saying, help, help, help. Now, understand this. There is no relationship between the guy in the fifth floor and the firemen down below. They don't know his name. This man does not know any of these firemen. The fireman does not know this guy on the fifth floor. But there's an urgency. There's a situation. And the firemen are holding on this net. And they're telling the man who's about to die in flames to jump out the window. The question is, when the man ultimately decides to jump, because he knows that the, the flames will eventually kill him and destroy him. 
and he jumps out the window and the firemen who are with the nets catch him on the net. The question is, how was this man saved? Who saved this man? Was it the nets or was it his action to jump out the window? Because the nets could have been there with the firemen telling him to jump. But if he says, I'm not jumping, I'm not jumping, although there was grace provided, he would have died, burned, alive in the fifth floor. Now, he wasn't saved because he jumped. Because many people have jumped out a window and had nobody to catch them. So faith is the action he took when he saw that salvation was available to him. So when the Paul, the, the Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he says, when he says, we have been saved, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, what the Apostle Paul is saying. The only reason why you're saved, the only reason why you believed for salvation is because God provided the nets to catch you. And he's telling us today that the net in this illustration is God's grace, which is applicable and accessible for everybody. But you know how many, how many people are now putting, putting this in our context? How many people know they're dying in the flames of sin, dying a life of sin, and God is saying, I got a, I got a way out. And you're saying, no, I want to stay here. I don't trust. I'm not certain. I'm not, I'm not convinced. The net is the grace. But the jump is the faith. The jump says, I'm going to put my trust in these firemen. And I'm going to trust that they're going to catch me. Salvation, I can't work for salvation. But my faith in salvation, my faith in Christ says, I'm going to trust Jesus enough to lay and jump at his arms, in his arms. And jump in his arms. Understanding that what I cannot do for myself, he will do for me. Not because he has to, but because grace led him to do so so this grace I'm talking to you about is the grace that saves us I want you to understand church that we are saved by grace touch your neighbor tell them I have been saved by grace my second point is grace listen to me not only are we saved by grace but grace empowers us to live a set apart life this salvation that I have by grace, I am not going to take that thing that I don't deserve and I'm going to position myself to live differently because I have been saved by grace. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, the first part it says, He has saved us, listen to this, and He has called us to a holy what does holy mean, pastor? Holy means set apart. In other words, we have been consecrated by God through the Holy Spirit in order to finally live the life the way we were created to be. So God saves us to reposition us back to the place at the place we're supposed to be before sin became a reality in our lives. That's why, that's why I want to tell you, salvation is not just a get out of hell card. 
Salvation is not what we do because we don't want to go to hell. No, salvation is I'm no longer going to listen and follow the enemy and the devil in sin. I'm going to let God's grace grab me so that now in his grace, he can put me back in the original place God had in store for me before I sinned and I failed and I lived a life of disobedience. So his grace empowers us to live our lives set apart from the things of the world. You and I have been chosen and set apart by God from the beginning of time. However, sin has distorted our true identity. Listen to me. And as a result, we've lived according to our fleshly desires. But once we came to Christ, we become, the Bible says, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I'm telling you. Once you come to Christ, you'll become God's property. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. You're no longer governed by the things of the world. You're no longer governed by the things of the flesh. Once you come to God, you become God's property. The Holy Spirit in us is actively separating us from those things that keep us from living according to God's will. How did he does it, Pastor? By giving us the power to resist the flesh and say no to its impulses and its desires. This is why Paul tells Titus in chapter number 2, verses 11 and 12, he says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Listen to what it says. It teaches us to say, listen to me, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. No to worldly passions. No to ungodliness and to do what? And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present stage. So this grace doesn't just save me. This grace doesn't just empower me. But this grace gives me the capacity to live a holy life. So I'm telling you, grace is not a get-out-of-jail card to justify our sin. Grace is not this thing we use every Saturday night before we go to church on Sunday. Oh, God, forgive me. I did this. No, 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 no. The grace God has given us is to save us, is to empower us, and to give us the capacity to say no to sin. To say no to sin. And I want to challenge you, church, to live life in the fullness of the grace of God. And don't just use the grace of God to get over some things. Use the grace of God to grow in the stature and the measure and the image of Christ. Point number three. The grace of God helps us to grow. Not only the grace of God empowers us to live lives set apart, but number three, the grace of God helps us to grow. The grace of God. Helps us to grow. The Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter number 3 verse 18. He says, but grow in the grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Peter is telling the church in Asia, Maine or Asia. He's telling the church, listen, listen. 
You've got to grow in two elements when it comes to grace. You've got to grow in the grace and in knowledge. Grace says, growing in grace says, God, thank you, God, I don't deserve it, thank you. But then knowledge says, because I've been saved by grace, what I know what God did for me is going to now allow me to think twice before I go back to doing the things I did before. Grace was applied in my life. Living in grace is our response to his saving grace, church. Living in grace, living in grace is our response. Living a holy life is my response to the grace of God in my life. This is why Paul tells us in Romans chapter number 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Paul is saying, listen. God's grace will not be bigger because he keeps giving you grace when you sin. The Apostle Paul, what he's telling us is, listen, listen, God didn't give us grace to justify our ways of living in sin and then come to church and apply grace. Lord, forgive me one more time here. I am. No, 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 no. God is saying, that's not why grace was given to us. Grace was not given to us in that context because when we start applying grace like that, we are taking for granted and abusing the grace of God. And Paul says, oh, no, no, no. You guys got it wrong. You guys are mistaken. God did not give us grace so that we can keep on going back into sin and going back into the mess and going back into that. No, 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 no. The grace of God is going to give us the capacity to live a grateful life so that by grace in faith we never go back to that way of living again church Paul is telling us that God's grace is not a license for us to go and sin on the contrary Paul is telling us how can we sin if God has provided a means by which we can live right through grace how can you go back? It's just like a husband and a wife. A spouse is unfaithful to their spouse. And they go through years of counseling and coaching and trying to restitute the marriage. How would you, how is it that you would, after going through all of that long-winded process, you go back to committing that thing again? You don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't deserve to be welcome back in the house. You feel that you broke the bond of marriage and she opened or he opened the door for you to come back in. Grace says welcome back, but you can't take that welcome back and go back. Paul is saying, no. I don't give, God don't give grace for that. So my response to God's gift is to live a life that brings him glory and honor because I've been saved by grace. His grace, listen to me church, His grace grows us. And my fourth point, the final point, grace empowers us to serve. It empowers us to serve. It equips me to serve. When I understand what God has done for me by grace that I don't deserve it, and I understand the wonder of His grace, I now feel it in my heart, the obligation in the good sense, not slave sense of the world, word, in the good, I, 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 I see it within me that the least thing I can do is serve him because of what he did. I don't serve Jesus to pay back grace. I don't serve Jesus to get saved. 
I don't, I don't serve in the ministry. I, I'm not doing what I'm doing because I'm trying to buy back. No, no. I do it because when I think about where he brought me from, when I think about how his grace reached me, how his love embraced me, how his blood cleansed me, how his death on the cross set me, when I think of that, I want to live the rest of my life expressing to him how grateful I am for the grace he has given so his grace empowers me and it empowers you to serve. Grace also means God's divine power effectively working in our lives. For what purpose? For the purpose of serving and fulfilling God's agenda. It is his divine power and ability operating in our lives in order to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. How we do it, Pastor? Simple. Each and every single one of us doing our part. Giving to us our measure of grace. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. Paul says, but to each one of us was given according to the measure. I'm sorry. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So everybody who's been saved by grace. Everybody who's been forgiven by grace. Everybody who has been embraced back into the fold by grace. The, the, the normal reaction of your gratitude of salvation is, Lord, I want to serve. Because he has been giving me a grace. Based on the measure of Christ's gift for me. This is why in Philippians, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, Paul tells us about the five-fold ministry he says God has given you grace and you've been saved by grace and he's going to save you and now now if you're grateful because of what God has done he says I'm going to give you five areas in the ministry in the church where you can exercise your measure of gift and that's what the Bible talks about apostle prophets evangelists pastors and teachers all working towards what towards the edification of the saints why did God give these five-fold ministry in the church? For people who were saved by grace that want to exhibit their thankfulness to God to bless the kingdom, to advance the church. I'm going to tell you, church, if you've been saved by grace, my question to you is, what are you doing with the salvation God has given you? How are you exercising your grace with your gift, with your talents, with your calling, with your provision, with your resources? God has given us a gift. And the grace, which is the divine favor, power, and ability to exercise this gift. This is why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, well then let's prophesy. In proportion to our faith or in ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy and cheerfulness. What is Paul telling us in Romans chapter 12? That if you've been given these gifts and you understand that you're saved by grace and you want to reciprocate that back to God, not as a payment plan, but as a gratitude heart, well then do it. If you've been called to teach, teach if you have a gift to play an instrument play an instrument if you have a, a devotion if you have a skill God is saying use the gift I gave you if you want to show me how grateful you are towards me understand that you're doing that doesn't 
is not a way you pay me. Doing it is a way you express how grateful you are for the gift I have given you, which is the gift of grace. So if you exhort, exhort. If you give, give with, give with freedom. If you lead, lead with diligence. But whatever you have been given, do it unto the glory of God. The primitive church understood this firsthand. From the moment they got endowed with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. From the moment they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They understood this reality to the point that in Acts chapter 4 verse 33, the Bible says, And with great power. What power was this? The power of the Holy Spirit. And how did they get that power of the Holy Spirit? Did they pay for it? No, it was an act of grace. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And that great grace caused Peter to exercise the gift and with his shadow heal the sick. With that great grace... John and Peter, Acts chapter 3, go to the temple and raise a man who was crippled. With that great grace, miracles began to happen throughout the story of the Bible. Through that great grace, the Bible says that the church began to grow in number. Through that great grace, they began to uh, fellowship in the house and break bread. And every day, the Bible says, every day they were added daily. The number of them who came to the fold. Why? Because the 12 disciples and the 120 in the upper room, they didn't just live cocoon with the grace that was given. They took that grace and they came out and they started preaching and sharing and loving and serving to the point that you and I are here today. You and I are here today. So as I close, church, God's grace. The grace is God's divine favor over our lives. For what purpose, pastor? For the purpose of living and serving according to his divine design and his purpose. So if you're here today, the Lord is telling you, I am victory. He's telling you, I became alone for you. And today he tells you, I am your grace. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, if you don't serve Jesus, and he is not the Lord and master of your heart, I want to challenge you today to invite him in your heart. Invite him. Perhaps you're like that man in my illustration. You're on a fifth floor. The fire of life is burning all over you. The pain of life is consuming you and God is outside with a net called salvation saying come come trust me but you're afraid to jump life has been too rough I want to challenge you today to take a leap of faith I want to challenge you today to embrace his grace because there is nothing you can do that will say God, that will tell God you're qualified to be saved. It's nothing. We're saved by grace. It is by grace. So would you jump in the hands of the Lord? Would you surrender your life in the hands of Jesus? So that he can empower you in his grace? So that he can make, so that he can make you holy, set you apart in his grace? So that he can allow you to be used for his glory with the gifts he has given you for his grace. That's what he wants to do. He wants to reposition you back in the place you belong before sin 
had an encounter with you. So if you want Jesus, not religion, Jesus, right there in the comfort of your home, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead to save a wretched sinner like me. I receive your salvation. I receive Jesus. I recognize I am a sinner, but I need a Savior. Wash me and clean me with that blood you shed on the cross. And with your help, I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. If you made that prayer, I want to let you know right now that heaven is rejoicing. I want to let you know that all over, all over the houses of the members of our churches right now, I'm, come on church, put those hands together. All over the, the houses of new birth, people are clapping their hands, giving God glory because you have embraced the grace of God to help you understand God's purpose for your life.